Welcome back to the Man Child Podcast, the podcast teaching you how to struggle well. Where would you go? What would you do? Who would you go with? What would you build if you weren't afraid to do it? If you weren't afraid to struggle with it, to be bad at it at first and then get better, that's what we do. We talk to those people on those journeys. The person I had this conversation with is near and dear to my heart, my friend Patrick Davis. Patrick is the founder, co-founder, he and his wife, of the Fringe Coffee House as well as the Fringe Church. Um, We dove right into why they are doing this, why this is important to them, uh, what it is, their, their unbelievable stories and backgrounds that led them to the path they're on right now. Uh, multiple layers. One of the main things I hope that you come away with is that we are all responsible for the world we live in. All right? Nobody seems to disagree with we can't throw plastic in the ocean, right? That's a bad thing. Well, we can't throw people away either. People that seem to be self-destructing, all those sorts of things. How do we go reach those people? Patrick calls it the people on the fringe. Give it a listen. I hope it moves you, inspires you to do something that you're hesitating, that you're living in the complacent corners of your life, hiding from yourself. I hope this calls you out and I hope you get started. All right, let's go. All right, Man Child Media, the podcast is in the Fringe Coffee House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hopefully, this is news to you, but it is the unofficial recording home yes. of the Man Child Podcast because this coffee house houses a recording studio. Yes. That we're sitting in right now. Whose voice do you hear? This is none other than my friend, Patrick Davis. Welcome to the podcast, Patrick. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. So, Patrick, you are the owner, operator, entrepreneur, uh, artist, mastermind, and pastor of the Fringe Church and the Fringe Coffee House. Something like that. (laughs) Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Can you tell me what is this thing? Where, Where are we? What are we in? What's going on? So right now we're sitting in the, there's a recording studio, it's a two-story building, and on the second floor we have a room that's designated towards all things creative, uh, video, uh, music, creating arts, uh, learning photography, instrument playing, all that kind of stuff. And the idea behind this specific room, other than the things that we're going to do here, things that we're going to create, it's to have a safe space for at-risk kids in the community to be able to come in to learn an instrument free of charge, learn how to record, write, produce music, learn how to do video, photography. Kids who don't normally have access to uh, the arts and and this type of equipment uh, because of resources and lack of finances that they can just sign up on a clipboard, come in and create and learn to tell their story through music and art. And we feel like it's a a cathartic thing for a kid to be able to do that, especially kids that are growing up in poverty and rough situations, it's a, it, it, it can help them uh, stay, on, stay on a positive path. So this room that we're sitting in, that's that's the idea. Unbelievable. And that's upstairs. So downstairs, yeah. right, is a, is a space um, and a coffee shop that, unlike anything you've ever seen as far as the artwork on the wall, but you're also doing things a little bit different too. Mm-hmm. 
So if you've never heard of this place, what are you guys? What are you guys doing? What is happening? Yeah. So what it is, uh, it's we're opening a coffee shop. It's called the French Coffee House, uh, located at the Center of Progressive Arts, Culture, Hamilton, Ohio. <laughs> it's not a joke. We shouldn't have laughed. It's the city of sculpture. Yes, yeah, city of sculptures. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's this real funky. Obviously, you can't visually see this, but if you could use your imagination, no. activate the third, plenty of third eye. The social media sites that are manchild house plenty of the pictures to give you an image of where we're at. But go so, ahead. So yeah, so it's a it's a two story coffee house. The upstairs I just described to you that recording studio that's just one room, but there's like two or three other rooms upstairs that will be additional seating for the shop. Uh, if you were to walk through this shop, it, it also doubles as a indoor street art gallery. Is the best way I can describe yeah. it. Uh, every piece of drywall throughout the building has incredible uh, street art that was done by three or four different artists. And the idea behind the coffee shop. It, it, it serves a couple purposes. First one is, uh, my wife and I, we do uh, prison and reentry work, and one of the biggest challenges for people when they come home from prison is nobody wants to give them a job. Nobody wants to give them an opportunity, and the, the jobs that are there, they're, they're uh, substandard. You know, they're not really uh, viable. It's not viable employment. It's not something that will empower them, but it's something that just keeps them alive. So yeah. we thought... You know, what would it look like to create a business uh, model that wasn't just driven by profit, but that actually was used uh, to empower people, where we pay people fair wage, where we celebrated the lives of people whose lives have not been celebrated, where we, for that entire year, so it's like a job and re-entry program. Okay. So for an entire year, we got a whole team of people that we created a custom re-entry plan for each person uh, when they're employed here, that for an entire year, we just pour into those people and do everything we can to empower them, right? And so for a lot of them, th that empowerment and what they need is different. You know, for some people, they, they don't have their license, so they need help getting their, their driver's license. Some of them have never even learned to drive, so we're going to teach that someone yeah. to drive. Uh, for other ones, they have gang tattoos on their face. We're going to have the tattoos uh, offer a free tattoo removal for the ones that have that type of stuff. Uh, some of them, it's post-secondary education. So whatever these barriers are for them, uh, if they've never learned how to become a parent, we're going to have parenting classes, financing classes. Every barrier that they have, we're just going to surround them uh, with the support that they need to, to, to get up and stand on their feet. And not just like in the sense of like client, like this is a social service. Right. But we really, in the truest sense, view these people as family, right? And so we believe that we're creating a family, it's, and it's, it's the family of God, and it's filled with people uh, who don't look like each other and have yeah. completely different stories and, and narratives, and, and what does it look like to create a table big enough where everybody's welcome, and yeah. you know, where people can be, yeah, just embrace where they're at and, and empowered to, to get back on their feet if they're down. So that's kind of the idea. So we'll employ uh, six ex-felons full-time. Uh, we're going to start with that and see where we can go with that. There's some other ideas for other social enterprises. So we'll have two shifts. Uh, first shift will employ three people full-time, and then the second shift, an additional three people. And, yeah, so it's going to be freshly released uh, people out of prison, people who are the most unemployable. So if you have face tattoos, great. If you've been in prison for 30 years, great. You know, like right. the opposite right. of what they would yeah. ask you on a job application. Because we're, we, we truly believe that people deserve a second chance. Okay. And, and, and part of that reason we can get to at some point. But, 
Yeah, it's our own personal experience. Yeah. Well, that's there's so many different layers that, and we're going to try to do this in a reasonable amount of time. I think from experience, you know, I listen to podcasts on a commute, so it's you know we're trying to fit this in a whatever. There's a lot to unpack here. Basically, you just switched on a fire hose and sprayed it at all of us with all the ideas that you just said. But in in a very 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 short, you are. You are starting a, a business here in a small town in the Rust Belt, yeah. right? That is going to employ people that otherwise would never have had a chance. Yeah. And the reason that you captured my attention and we're sitting here having this conversation is because uh, and as a resident of this area that is decimated by uh, addiction and unemployment and lack of purpose and... And it, I mean, it can be a heavy place to live, this area, for all the way up. And I've lived in, in West Virginia, I've lived in Kentucky, I've lived in this whole surrounding region, um, you know, the, the steel and the coal and all these areas that there's a lot of history around. Um, but the, it's, and I think it was why it was such a prime suspect to fall victim to um, the opioid crisis yep. and all these yep. sorts of things. The reason why I think I'm so intrigued by this is basically I've watched people get things given to them in hopes that they'll stand up. Right. You, 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 yeah. you keep handing them things, you keep giving them groceries, and basically all you're doing is just dragging them along to sure. and, and you're never unchaining them. Right. You're still chained right. up. Um, so the idea of a reason to wake up in the morning with a purpose because you have a job, uh, there's value wrapped up and all that. But to, so to get the storyline, we've got to understand the characters. You and your wife started this. Yes. Okay. So to start something um, as complex of the amount of issues that you guys are voluntarily tackling, <laughs> you had to care about this yeah. first. Yeah, right. right. Why why do you care? Yeah, it it doesn't make any logical sense. I right. mean we're on the side of town where there's no development, you know. Yeah. We uh, bought a building that had been sitting for close to a decade. I mean it doesn't make any logical sense. You're taking the most unemployable people. Uh, and so for us like the, the why is our personal experience. So you know I, I spent four and a half years in juvenile prison. Uh, when I was 16 years old, and I know what it feels like to be locked up. I know what it feels like to uh, be lost and not have any sense of purpose, to not feel humanized, to feel like I'm just a number, I'm just a lost cause, the black sheep, however you want to word it. Like, we know what that feels like to be on the fringe, of, hence the name of the right. church and, and the coffee shop. We feel called to people that are on the fringe of society. And yeah, some of that is the, the, the drug addiction, the people coming out of prison, but it's also people who are wealthy and educated, but they feel disconnected from a sense of purpose and a sense of, you know, who God is, obviously, on some level. Uh, but yeah, so personal experience, it's my own personal experience. Uh, when, I was, when I was incarcerated, my brother was murdered uh, while I was in prison, and I started writing music while I was incarcerated, and so the music and the art and the it helped me through that time. And me learning how to tell my story through music and through art, like that was extremely healing for me. 
And so whether somebody's going to be a rock star or not, like that's part of where this whole, you know, the art, the music therapy program that we do inside the prisons, this cafe, the artistic element to it, uh, that's part of where that came from. And, and then, yeah, just finding my voice, man. I think, like, we're not just giving people a job, but we're, we're really, truly, uh, we're creating a family for them because a lot of them don't have it. We're, we're pulling, the church was designed, the church was started for people who would never step foot in the church, right? Yeah. And so the whole point of the church was there's people who are black sheep and who are, or feel like they are, and are on the fringe of society and they would never step foot in any of those type of religious environments. Uh, let's create a sense of family and create a sense of purpose that someone's stepping right out of prison, right out of addiction, right out of corporate America, right? That, right. you know, that, that feels disconnected, that could walk right into that. And so, you know, that's, that's part of my story. And, you know, my wife, she, uh, she spent, you know, six, six years in prison as well, and she, she's gone through it as well. And so for us, you know, we know exactly what that feels like to be uh, discriminated against because your record and this and that, people holding your past against you. Uh, and, and because we've been able to fight through and break through some of that stuff, it, to me, it just feels only natural that we would reach back, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, that's that's a big part of it is, you know, we, we lived it. We have lived this. Like, right. if I, if I would have had this place when I got out, you know, and well, imagine how much quicker I could have got on my feet or... Well, that's the thing. Or if I would have had this place, you know, with this room that we're sitting in, right? With the, it's designed for at-risk kids. If I would have had this kind of studio in my, in my, you know, neighborhood in the inner city of Cleveland, and I had a place like this to come to, yes, you know, man, I can't. Maybe I would have never worked down that road to begin with. So, part of the deal, part of our, our whole thing, man, child, is we're going, we're we're finding people, and who are. Um, on these paths or creating these stories for themselves um, that wanted to do something and it really made no sense to do it. Like you just referenced yourself. Perfect. Uh, you just referenced to, to yourself. Um, and then it gets really, really hard. Yeah. Right. And so our whole struggling, but you're deciding to struggle for a very specific purpose because you believe in it. Sure. Um, and, and I think that there's a, I think there's a whole bunch of people, people that will listen to this podcast, people driving down the street. I think it's interesting that you reference to, um, people, there's people in corporate America 100%. and there's people in Lebanon Correctional and they're both hungry. Same condition. Right. There's an Ava Brothers song that says, if you're rich, you're hungry for money. If you're poor, you're hungry for bread, but they're both hungry. Yeah. Right, and so you're exactly. trying to yes. hit both of these people, Absolutely. right, from the the, the the full end of the spectrum, uh, and you care about it because you've lived it. Mm -hmm. I want. It's so. It, sometimes it feels overwhelming for the amount of people that we should we are told to now care about. Right. Right. Absolutely. I'm just being completely honest. It's almost it almost feels exhausting. It is. To yeah. every month is, is an awareness of something. Right. Right. Uh, and sometimes. The people that you're talking about, sure. yourself, right. right? They're the ones that are easy to dismiss because, well, they, you know, they did the time, they, they committed the crime, right? Yeah. So why this the stigma is easy to understand where it comes from, sure. right? Well, the criminals, yeah. right? But what you're saying is, if 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 you would have had this, if this thing exists, um, we need to start welcoming them back in. Yeah. Right, and I, what what is the quote you have on, on one of the walls here? Is the child 
Yeah, so it's an African proverb. It says that a child who, who is not embraced by the village will burn it down to feel its warmth, right? And it's this idea of, I mean, that's the whole point of this space we're sitting in, yeah. is if we can reach these kids before they end up in the system, then you've really done some transformative stuff, you know? Uh, for me, like, just from a business perspective, and this is no indictment on anyone in particular that we work with in the prisons because, you know, there's some great staff that work at the prisons that we go to, but our overall approach to incarceration and crime and, and, and you know, the legal system in America, it, it doesn't work. We have a 700% failure rate. Now, any other business that has a 700% failure rate would, would go out of business. Yeah. And what do I mean by that? I think it's since 2004, to uh, I think the mid '90s, uh, incarceration. Excuse me, from 1974 to like 2004, gotcha. incarceration in America increased 700 percent. Right. So if more people are getting locked up, uh, whatever our, our our approach, it's it's just right. not working. So more people are getting thrown into a system that is colossally failing. Yeah. yeah exactly. At what we're saying it's supposed to do. Exactly. And you know that's why we. We try to approach it from every angle because you can't just hit it from one. You know, for us, that's why it's important. We work with the children of inmates because statistically they have a much higher rate of becoming incarcerated if there's not intervention by the very nature that their parent has been in prison. That's why we try to reach kids before they end up in the prison system. And then we also have a huge amount of people in this country that are already locked up. Yes. And 80%, over 80% of them are coming home to every neighborhood, every community, every nice summer, every tree-lined street, every neighborhood with a golf course in the backyard. You know, they're coming back everywhere. And, <laughs> and our thing is, like, we as a society, we get to choose how do they come home, right? And, and it's, this may be an extreme example, but I think it, if, you, if you let the shock hit you and then you think about what I'm going to say, it makes a lot of sense. We as a society, we get to choose. Like, they could come home through your window or they could come to your door. But they're coming. But they're going to come, right? And, and, and I'm not trying to put personal responsibility off of them because I think that's one of the big things that we push in our program inside the prison system. you got to take personal responsibility. Yes. But we deal with so many people. They come home. They want to work, man, 10, 15, 20 job interviews. They go to housing. They're trying to get out of a toxic neighborhood. They make the money to pay to be in a nice house in a different area, but they can't move there because of their record, right? Correct. And so... For us, you know, that's 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 the big thing. Is like you gotta hit it. You gotta hit it from every angle. And if you don't hit it from every angle, you know, and, and and the stuff that we're doing, we're not the we're not the first ones to to pioneer the thought. Uh, these type of approaches, music therapy, art therapy within the prison system, uh, University of Michigan's been doing it for years. They have a massive success rate. Uh, programs like ours have a huge success rate. Right, because that's one thing I wanted to make clear to people: is this is not an experiment. No, it works. This is something that you've been yeah. doing that that works. Yeah, absolutely. So our our program as a whole. Uh, the music therapy program, the social enterprise that we're opening here, the reentry part of what we're doing, it's all modeled after, after an organization in LA uh, called Homeboy Industries, and they're yeah. the largest and most successful gang of reentry in the world. In the world, uh, and it's it's it, it works. It works. Like yeah. these people, they don't go back to prison. You know, uh, they they get their you know college degrees, they start businesses, and and they completely turn their lives around. Not only do they turn their lives around. 
they help the next young man not end up on that road or next young, young, young. I think there's a central theme here that I really resonates with me is that what you're saying is we are not creating a system no. and we're not going into uh, these prisons every week to say it's not your fault right. and it's just you you know it's the way society has treated you yeah. because that's not helping them either no 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 right and to me there's a huge difference between a welfare approach and an empowerment approach okay and I can say that like from experience, yeah. like I grew up on welfare, yeah. right? Yeah. Welfare as an emergency safety net is not a bad thing. I'm wholeheartedly supportive of yeah. it. As it's a, a transition. Yeah. Emergency safety net, yes. that's, what it, that's what it was for us. Uh, but for me, like when it, when, it comes, when it comes to like dealing with these, with crime and like, are we light on crime? Do we think everybody should deserve a free pass? Absolutely not. You know, I mentioned earlier in this uh, in this podcast that you know my own brother was murdered. I'm a victim of crime. You know, my right. the guy who killed my brother. My brother wasn't involved in gang banging and you know selling drugs and home invasions and doing the stuff that I was I was doing. He he wasn't involved in all that stuff. He didn't do half the stuff that I did. He was a star athlete. Was being scouted out of high school. Wrong place, wrong time. Gets stabbed eight yeah. times. You know, and the guy who killed him. Uh, he never did a day in prison, and that enrages me. And I, and I know what that feels like to be a fan. My brother and I were close. So we have, have a family member taken or something taken yeah. from you, and there's no justice, and there's there's no amount of, uh, yeah, there's no amount of, yeah, it just, it, it does something to you. And so for us, the first step with, with those we work with in the prison system is you have to take responsibility for what you've done. And if you don't stop the blame game, if you don't lose the victim mentality, you're going to end up in a revolving door. Once you once you acknowledge it, once you own it, once you take responsibility, the next step is you need to learn to separate what you did from who you are as a human being. There's a difference between what you did and who you are. One of our sayings we tell people all the time, you are more than the worst thing you've ever done, you know? You did it. <laughs> you did it. In that statement, we're acknowledging that you did it. Yes. But that is not the totality of your existence. That's something that you did, right? And so you have people who, and some of them have done horrible stuff. Yeah. Uh, they committed this crime 10, 15, 20 years ago. Crime aside, how many of us are the same people we were 10 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Take the crime out of it. Uh, you're not, you know... What you're not the same person. Yeah, you're not the sum of your... Yeah. Well, I think what's... Convicting to me, right? Because coaching is my background, mm -hmm. right? And one of one of the the themes of some of the best coaches that exist, Lou Holtz told Urban Meyer, and Urban Meyer, obviously his tree is enormous. Is you're either coaching it wrong or you're allowing it to happen. It's good. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So what what that happens is there's an extreme accountability not on the player that we're all coming to pay to watch that makes the mistake as coaches we're putting that much on our shoulders yeah. to where whatever he's doing I either and, and Todd now at Muller High School this morning who I sat down with you're either promoting it permitting it or you know you're, you're letting it pass you by I butchered that but uh the, what, what I'm, what I'm trying—the point I'm trying to make is, you're—you are holding these people's hand through this process of, of 
rehabilitating and growing into the next version of themselves, but you're also having them, there, there is some responsibility yeah. that they have to, not some, all responsibility. 100%. What I'm saying is from the person that's sitting outside of that building that they're incarcerated in, I feel some too. Sure. And I think what the interesting thing about this um, ministry, this outreach, this movement, this business, this in- enterprise that you're starting is it challenges some of the things that we think are going really good right now, mm-hmm. right? Like these depressed areas that we're cleaning up, right? Right? Are we cleaning them up or are we, right. we ostracizing the people that sure. used to make, and they, they don't, they no longer, it's not like they don't exist anymore. Right. They're still here. Sure. We just moved them three blocks down and we made a really cool looking bar yeah. to hang out with and we sell cool t-shirts now and you can get vinyl records on that street. And now it's the cool place to go to. Sure. There's a few breweries or whatever. Uh, I get convicted by that because those people used to live there that right. we said was the bad area that right. you shouldn't go to. Right, right. Right? And so, to me, we can't talk out of both sides of our mouth if we can all agree, right? And we're getting, we're, we're, you know, we're going, toes are going to be stepped on. So sure. watch your feet, everybody. But, so... If we're gonna all agree that like, oh, you know, we all live downstream. There's a, there's a fishing company that says that it's about pollution and keeping sure. plastic out of water. Everybody goes, yeah, do your part, right? Recycle, you know, pollution, emissions, drive, you know, electric vehicles, all that sort of stuff. We're all in this. We all created the smog alert. We all did that. But why do we refuse to believe that we all did not participate in the machine that has incarcerated what is it? One in four African Americans. Yeah. One in fifteen black males. Yes. Uh, in America, one in fifteen. One in fifteen. One in four in prison are African American. Yeah. One in fifteen yeah. of the entire population, exactly. which is yeah. blow it's your sad. eyes out. Insanity. That that's a possibility. But just the fact that we have all participated in this. Yeah. We have all participated in the opioid epidemic sure. because we have communicated to ourselves that. Pain, you shouldn't have to feel pain. Right. Shouldn't have to. Yeah. Right? Some of the most educated people in the United States of America are writing prescriptions that are getting people addicted in high school when they twist their knee right. in a sporting event and then they deal with heroin for the rest of their life. Yeah. So, what, what I'm saying, this isn't just like you guys should all feel terrible about yourselves no, and not as move on. Not but what I'm saying is we all need to have some yeah. skin in the game into sure. what you're doing. I, I'm a firm believer that I believe that every human being has creative force inside of them. And we get to choose, does that creative force create good or, or, or evil, right? Yeah. And we all we all have participated in creating the world that we live in. Yes. Right? And if we don't like the world that we live in, then we all need to participate in its restoration. And so, for me, when I think about, and I you know, have a background in construction and remodeling, historical restoration, I love to see cities uh, reborn in terms of the architecture, beautiful old buildings being restored, and you know, streets being fixed. I love that. There's nothing, nothing more that is inspiring right. to see, uh, to see an area that was decimated come back to life. But we've always said from the beginning, we believe that during this process, we can restore buildings and people at the same time. And to me, that's what real revitalization looks like within a city. Whether or not you ever subscribe to my personal religious beliefs or not. Correct. Like, if you look at real revitalization, 
it not only restores the building, but it gives people, uh, again, the original residents of these communities who have been here for decades, who at one point were probably employed at that steel mill down the street, you yes. know what I mean? They're the ones who have helped build this. Yeah, it's fallen apart, but they're the original, you know, uh, residents of the space. Why can't uh, revitalization include them, right? And, and for me, a lot of it too, it, it goes back to, and these are some of the questions uh, that if you're really going to get to the root of the problem, like society as a whole, we have to start asking ourselves these questions. Uh, if you go spending, spend any length of time within a, you know, an inner city African American community, a poor white community, poor Hispanic community, the most attractive thing to do in that community is drug dealing. And why? Why is that the case? Because there's not uh, economic opportunity, right? And so if we've created and cultivated an environment where the most appealing thing uh, you know, to, to do is to sell drugs or rob people, uh, you know, and, and then if you really want to follow the rabbit hole long enough, you know, yeah. where did the drugs come from? Where did all this stuff come from? You know, those are difficult things. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, they don't want to think about. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I, I think as a, just like we're asking the, the ex-felon to take responsibility, I think we as a society have to take responsibility for uh, the segregation the, the history of slavery in this country. I mean, we've caused such deep psychological wounds in, in, in a whole culture and psyche of people, right? And then we just throw them away after they've dealt with the generational trauma of that. And, and a lot of us still don't even acknowledge that some of the stuff happened, you know? Yes. And so, for me, it's, it's, it's understanding, and, and the way Sarah and I always try to communicate it, uh, there's a reason why people end up in prison. And of course, yeah, the guy, you know, he stole the car, right? <laughs> yeah. He robbed the bank or, what, you know, whatever the, the right. woman did. That's but there's a reason he stole the car. The, yeah, and so the way we, we, the way we try to articulate it, what we're, what we're interested at is we're interested in getting to the why behind the why. The why behind What is the story behind the story, right? And I can give you, I'll give you an example of this. There's a girl uh, that's in our music therapy program at the women's prison in Dayton. Uh, Dayton Correctional, and there's writing assignments that they have, and some of them write poems, and a lot of them will open up about their childhood, their past, you know what I mean, kind of what landed in there, and this woman, she's in her probably mid-40s, maybe early 50s, and she writes this poem about how when she was a kid, she wanted to go inside to get, get her basketball, and the whole poem was about, I just want my basketball. But if you, and it impacted me so much, like I almost memorized the whole thing. And she talks about in the poem that, you know, I just wanted my basketball, but I knew if I went in there to get my basketball, I knew what would happen to me. And she goes on to describe she was being raped by her own father, but she just wanted her basketball. And so eventually when she got so bored and she just wanted to play basketball, she went and endured that just to get her basketball, right? And this is a... And that's a real story of a real person that we work with. And so, when that's your childhood. In, in, in Dayton. Yeah, yeah, in Dayton, Ohio. In this, I mean, yeah. It's 25 and, minutes. And I hate to say it, but that's not that rare with the people that we're dealing with. The amount of uh, sexual violation uh, that men and women uh, in the prison system have experienced 
the traumatic uh, childhoods. And again, I'm not saying this is an excuse to go commit crimes and do no, this or that, no, but, but until you did go back, until you're willing to sit long enough for people and hear the story behind the story, and that's, I think that's part of the problem in our country as a whole. You know, you go out to dinner with somebody, they can't put their phone down, they're not even listening to you. And so, uh, people are crying out, and they're crying out through the form of crime, through the form of uh, breaking the law, incarceration. But really, it's it's uh, every every behavior uh, every uh, behavior is a form of communication, right? And so, if we don't sit and listen long enough, we're never going to get to the root. And it's astounding to see when you start digging into those roots how quick they change. I want to circle back to the person we're talking to now. You um, be in your humble duty. You wouldn't do that. I don't even care how long this is taking now because uh, people need to hear it. It's um, I, after hearing these things, right? We all can turn on the news and we can all learn, listen to these statistics, right? But we all obviously are not trying to build a French coffee house, right? right? So sure. why? I'm going to go back to another why, or how did you overcome all the things that make it really, really easy to just be like, yeah, but I can't, but I can't do that, right? right? That's, that's what, what that's I want. That's, that's exactly, just the, because yeah, yeah. you took a tremendous risk, Oh, right? right? And if, you, if, you, if you're willing to share that, yeah. okay, so one of the things that really, um, like you went all in on this, right. this wasn't like, Man, this is going on, and I lived it. You guys should—you wouldn't believe what you hear in there. But you literally put your money where your mouth is. So tell, take me through that. Yeah, I mean, you, so we—you know—we go—we go into Lebanon Correctional, Dayton Correctional, as well as other prisons, uh, and we do it every week. So every Tuesday, man, we're, we're spending two hours with these people, yeah. and they go from being, you know. Uh, Mr. Smith to James, right? And then, and you hear their story, and, and you you know you become family in a sense. Is the way I describe it, you know, they're not clients to us, and so you really uh, you you care about these people, man. Yeah. Like you see the, their situations. You, you, a lot of them, you meet their family. We have some of the family members coming to the church, you know, yeah. and so their story in a sense becomes our story. And to me, that's that's when I. Like that's one of the ways that I know uh, God is at work is when someone else's story becomes my story, right? And so, you know, we, we just kept hitting a wall with the whole employment thing and we said, we got to do something about it. Well, I don't know. What, what, do, we, what are we going to do about it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I had a, the, the, the painting business. I was employing with that and it just it wasn't enough and it wasn't as, you know, as holistic as we wanted it to be. And so... We were in the process of renovating our house, and we finished it and sold it, and we had a decision to make, and, you know, we were just going to get another house, old house, restore it, and then, you know, live there and have our dream house, and, you know... Yeah, the, the American dream. Yeah, the American dream, and, and I still I still like that idea. Still, right? So, <laughs> hey, wouldn't mind if you're listening <laughs> and you're in your dream house, more power to you, brother, yeah. more power to you, sister. Yeah. We're cheering yeah. on. Yeah. But something about that at this point for us felt empty. Okay. You know? uh, not that it's a bad thing, and this isn't a guilt thing for anybody listening, but we just felt like, man, we're there's there's more that's required of us. 
Okay. And so, like, we start having this conversation of, well, what if we started a business to avoid these people? Well, what would we do? I don't know. Like, we like to drink coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it sounds ridiculous at first, because you're talking, these are like hardcore, you know what I mean? People coming out of prison, yeah. faces tattooed. I don't know about you, but I've never gone in a coffee shop. I Last time I was in my local Starbucks, uh, you know, I saw a few man buns, but I didn't see any faces tattooed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. And yes. so, but, but, but the more we thought about that idea, like, that sounds interesting. I would want to go to a place like that. Well, we love street art and Banksy. Well, let's tag. Well, what if we just got a building and then we tag the whole inside of it, you know? And uh, so we start talking about this. And, well, where are we going to get the money? Well, no one's going to finance that. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, Sarah and I, we had a conversation. And I, and I told her one day, I said, hey, I, I feel like we, we should do this. You know, we, should just take, we should take our entire savings. And even though it's not enough to finish it, it's a good chunk. Let's just... Let's just try, you know. And no, no, hold on a second. Yeah, yeah. With your savings, <laughs> you said to your wife. Right, right, right. We're still married too, by the way. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> you said let's just try it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, I wasn't gonna. I would never do it. I would never have done it without her. Let me say that. Okay. But that was the test, right? That was the fleece. You, you like, floated that. Let's see her response, you know, and she. She thought about it for a minute, and she just shook her head. And you know, most women are a little bit more logical thinking than us men, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> a few more brain cells up there. Yeah. And uh, she just shook her head, and she said, "You know, I think that sounds about right. Let's do it." <laughs> and she said, so, I think that's yeah, 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 something along those lines. Right. And yeah, man. So we just we just did it, and yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense, you know. And I, I, if you're listening to this, I'm not encouraging you to go empty out your savings right uh, for us we felt like this was this was a it was a call we felt like God had spoken to us not audibly or, or you know visually but just you know that you know that you know and you, you got a sense of peace about it so as we're writing the checks and that that money's like depleting it's yeah, amazing watch how quick it. you can go through it you know you spend a lot of money really quick and, and, and let me you know I'll just be honest with you with all that stuff you know at the time we decided to do that uh, my business, we were doing okay, right? And we weren't rolling around in money, but we were able to pay the bills. You're like, sure. And the moment we did that, like, all my work dried up. Like, it got, it was like hell on earth. You know what I mean? Like, we're in peak season where normally we should be, you know, doing this and busy here. Like, nothing. Like, I had to lay guys off. Uh, I really had to lay everybody off that worked for me. Uh, at that point, still to that point, to this point today, as we're recording this, yeah. uh, you know, I had let everyone go, yeah. and 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 that's been a, I'll be honest, you know, it's been a real battle uh, to to hold on, you know, and and we've gone through some, did we, did we make the right choice? Are we crazy? What did we do? If we would have known this was going to be this hard, yeah. uh, but every time we're like, and we literally, I could, and I'm just being honest. We literally had these conversations maybe once a week. Yeah. Like, let's just let's just walk away from it. Like, there's just, no way this is going to happen. We tried. Like, we're gonna have to move to another city because of public shame. <laughs> <laughs> We've created the whole. Our daughter's hung up. She won't. Yeah. Know. She won't be bullied. You know what I mean? If enough years will pass by, by the time she goes to school, we'll be gotta go to another. Like once a week, you know. And it's not that we're these terribly fragile emotional people. But it's hard, man. It's, it is so it's hard. It's very difficult. And especially when you're dealing with the situation that we're dealing with. We're on the wrong 
wrong side of town. It doesn't make sense from a business perspective. Uh, the, the, we're, we're employing the most unemployable people. There's a stigma attached to the people, right? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, man, you know, we have not had uh, hardly any local support in terms of you know, local faith communities at all whatsoever. Uh, there's been places outside of where we live here, uh, but yeah, just zero. And and but to me, that's when you know that you know that you know that you know. You don't know where it's going to come from. You don't know how it's going to happen. But there's something underneath all that anxiety, right? And that stress and the man, did we waste? <laughs> like, what did we do? Right. You know, there's still this underlying base note that's just like, no, dude, you're right on the path. You belong. Yeah, it's difficult. It's hard. Like, it doesn't make any sense. You don't feel like anyone's there, but, like, this bass note just keeps hitting. Like, just keep moving, dude. Just Are you about to write a song? Like, hey, man. You know what I mean? Like, don't give up, dude. Like, yeah. like I'm here with you. Like, yeah. yes, I, this is not a waste. And, and to me, like, the thing that keeps me going is when we go into these prisons on Tuesday, after we have a conversation on Monday, should we just stop going to the prison? Yeah, exactly. Because literally, not every week, but some weeks we couldn't even buy the gas to go to the prison. Uh, you know, it's like, after we have a conversation on Monday, like, when we go in Tuesday, and I see these people, and I see their faces, and I know the stories, and I know what they're fighting through, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, there's just, just that base note, man, like, you you guys are worth investing and we will fight tooth and nail and yeah. we will not give up on you and we will yeah. not walk away. And to, for me, that's like, that's the, that's the anchor, right? Is you're worth it. You're worth it. And I will endure public shame if that's what it comes to because you're worth it. At least I can say I try. Because one of the things, like, you know, the, 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 when people say, I'm because I'm getting a lot of that. Is what is this? What are you doing with this man-child thing? And it's basically, well, what would you do if you weren't afraid to struggle at it? Yes. Right. And you have not. It, it's not what we're saying is if you do this, if you really just go after your passions, you you don't get struggle-free. It actually gets way worse, worse than you ever thought it could. Worse. Yeah. Right? It's it's like, but you have come to terms with. Yeah. yeah let's go. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So what? Uh, what now? Because at the end, and, and Sarah and I, we had this, we had this actual conversation before we decided to actually start writing the checks. Was what's our biggest fear? Our biggest fear isn't that we do this and it fails. Yeah. Our biggest fear is what if we never try? What if we don't? Right. And for me, living with that, yeah. like, yeah. like, I would much rather know that hey, I, I tried. Yeah. You know. And to me, there's there's a certain satisfaction that comes with that. Like, and you, if you look at anybody who succeeded at anything, man, like they they've been through hell hell on earth, man. You know, I mean, you could go to the, you know, the most well known basketball player, Michael Jordan, cut from his team. You know, Oprah, they told her she wasn't fit for TV. I mean, you could go on and right. on and on and on and on. And to me, the, the only difference between people that do something great and people that don't, it's I don't believe that the people that do something great are necessarily more talented. I think they just don't give up, right? Yeah. They just don't quit. Well, there's actually, yeah. that's one of the guests that we're going to have on this podcast. And she's proving that to yeah. people is that the most elite in every platform there is, we don't care if it's a piano player or a swimmer or the spelling bee kid, mm-hmm. it's the kid, it's the person, it's the human, the, the male, the female with the most 
grit. Yeah. And she defines it, Angel Duckworth, as the long-term passion and perseverance towards this one goal. Yeah. Right? And your one goal, it's not just to have people that got out of jail pour espresso for people. Right. right. It's their lives can't rebuild. Correct. Yeah. And to me, like, uh, I forget who said it, but they talked about being committed to the slow work of God. The slow, ooh. You know? Because none of that sounds sexy. No, no. Anything because it's difficult working with these people. It's difficult to begin know? with. Even if the, even yeah. if you said, I'm giving my savings to you, yeah, God, yeah, and yeah. the sky split over. Right, right. <laughs> and the heavens rained, yeah. uh, you know, the, the light shine on your face, and then you open up this unbelievable thing, and, you know, Tyler Perry made a movie about sure. it. Like, that, this hasn't happened. Instead, right. you, like you just said, you're like, I don't know what we're going to eat. Right. But... We know we're supposed to do this. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, um, that's what people need to hear, mm-hmm. is that you saw something that was that hit home so close to you um, and, and was so worthwhile that you were willing to begin all this struggle. And you're no stranger yeah. to struggle right. in your own way. But, and I will ask you this because sure. you have lived it, yeah. right? Incarceration is a struggle. Poverty is a struggle. Welfare is a struggle. The ghettos of Cleveland, Ohio, is a struggle, and so is starting this business. Which one would you rather do? I'll start the business, right? Yeah. So that that's that's yeah. struggling well. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You, you know what? I mean? Because to me, it, what it does is you're re, you're redeeming the time. You're redeeming yeah. what has been like that whole my whole past doesn't have to be lost, yeah. right? It's being reclaimed in this yeah. space. Sarah's past is being reclaimed in this space. Every person I worship, they're reclaiming their, their, their past. It's almost like taking all this heaviness that everybody is carrying yeah. around and pointing it in a direction. Absolutely. And it runs stuff over. Absolutely. It's kind of cool. Absolutely kinda cool. So, you're not done? No. Uh-uh. Close. Okay. Very close. How do we help? Uh, I mean, I would say, you know, for now, our biggest need, we've got the last bit of stuff on our list, the last bit of equipment. Uh, you can visit uh, thefrenchcoffeehouse.com. If you go to the give page, there's a list of uh, specific items that are left. We're also throwing an epic bash that yours truly will be involved in, both of us. <laughs> uh, June 15th at, what did you say, 4 p.m., 5 p.m.? Yes. 5 to 8, 5 to 8. Five. We're going to have an epic DJ, some... Delicious, delicious meals. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, man, we're going to give a sneak preview of the building, coffee tasting. We'd love to have you come out and support it. Uh, on that day, we'll also have tables and stations set up for uh, some of the items yeah. that people can sponsor, raffles, all that kind of stuff. It's going to be fun. Yeah. And we're going to, it's a microcosm of struggle because yeah. we are man child of just signing up to. We're going to try to smoke Texas style brisket and do it really, really, really well. And it's super hard. And it takes forever, and we're gonna have to wake up in the middle of the night. And the reason why we want we could make frozen hamburgers and hot dogs, right? Right, and that'd be a lot safer. But it's almost like a symbol. It's symbolic. It is. Yes, so we can have that bash. Absolutely, to do that. That's those hours and hours to me, that's a statement to those people sitting incarcerated right now. You guys were worth smoking me for for an entire day. Yeah. You know? yes, if you've never felt like someone loved you, yeah. there was an animal that was roasting. Exactly. Slowly. Slowly. Just 275 degrees <laughs> for 11 and a half hours. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Great. 
Patrick, um, thank you for your time. Yeah, man. Thank you for what you're doing. Um, if, if, if people want to get, get involved, um, or they want to, your, your church is sure. where? It's in downtown Hamilton, so if you want to check us out, you can visit the website for that as well. It is the Fringe, not French, a lot of people hear French, Fringe, man, with a G, the FringeHamilton.com. Uh, we're located in downtown Hamilton. We do our main gathering on Sunday at the Art Space uh, Gallery in downtown Hamilton at 10 a.m. on Sundays. And then Wednesdays, we do our midweek and our outreach stuff right here at the coffee shop. So we, it's a, it's an excuse to come take a peek before right. everybody sees. Yeah. And uh, But yeah, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to get to know you. How do we find you on social media? Social media, so the French Coffee House as well as the French Hamilton. So both of the handles are the same. Gotcha. Instagram, Facebook. The whole yep. Thing. Instagram, Facebook. Don't do the Twitter. Uh, gotcha. I'm really not that interested in short sayings. So I don't know why. I just yeah. <laughs> One or two sentences at a time. I'm good. It's just I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, maybe there's value in it. I don't know. But yeah, the, the Facebook to me is becoming days of our lives. Uh, yeah. Losing losing the interest there. But yeah, we're on both Instagram, Facebook. Excellent. But I tell you what's even better is real human interaction. I'd love to see your face. And talk to you. So no, yeah, no way. Come out. Like nobody does that. Pick up a phone and physically talk to me. My phone's on the website. Yeah, you're like Bob Goff. Yeah, Mike Jones. Yeah, exactly. Good deal. Thank you for your time. Yeah, man. All right.